New Women by Louise Page Episode 1 Mabel Norman, 1st of February 1930, California. I'm Mabel Norman. Heard of me? How about Charlie Chaplin? Thought so. I was once his mentor. Before, I would like to be able to say he brought me down, that it was all the men, but that just isn't true. It's complex. It wouldn't fit on 50 intertitle cards. Lucky this is a book, then. An autobiography of sorts. Or maybe Notes from the Life of would be more accurate. Moments. An autobiography crafted from moments. I'm Mabel Normand, just in case you need a reminder already. Autobiographies usually begin at the beginning. So I thought I'd give all that a try. I presume I was born at some point, though I can't for the life of me remember. My parents were Minnie and Claude. We were poor. Do you really want to know all this? Should I just fast forward to working with Max Sennett? Not heard of him either? Well, that's a relief. I'm glad I'm not the only forgotten one. Mac ran Keystone Studios, most well-known for the Keystone Cops. Perhaps if you're a bit of a film fanatic, that might jog your memory. We did slapstick. I'm not going to pretend that it was more artistic than it was, but for a while, we were the best. Actors did all of the falls themselves. My body was a permanent bruise, but I loved those first few years. The Keystone lot was a world of its own, full of motion, whether we were shooting or preparing to shoot. I let my guard down, allowed myself to feel at home there. A mistake, in the end, to become attached. I didn't only become attached to the fantasy world of the lot. Sex with Mac was, uh, I'm not sure describing sex with words is useful. Let it live on in bodies, not on pages. I'll leave it at that. There was sex. Sometimes it was frequent. Sometimes we barely touched each other for months. There were arguments, too, plenty of them. The only constant was our work. Until my career collapsed and he trampled over my dead body in an attempt to keep his own employment going. It's odd, isn't it, how beginnings are so linked to endings? They aren't opposites at all. They're moody brothers. It's almost like the space in between is inessential. When a story is told, a few days later we can recount the beginning and the ending better than the middle. Yet the middle is where life exists. Surely we must value life over birth or death. This book is the middle of my story. The story of my life. The dead body at the end is not my own. Helen Keller, 10th of March, 1909, New York. I'm reading Haywood and Bond's Industrial Socialism, there is no Braille translation yet, so I have my friend spell it out, letter by letter, onto the palm of my hand. By all rights, it should be an arduous process, but instead, it is one that brings me great joy. 
I am to give a speech on socialism and my membership of the International Workers of the World, IWW, in three weeks' time. The newspapers will hate it. I don't care. I long ago gave up letting newspapermen decide whether I am a saint or a demon. I find it mildly amusing, as well as distinctly off-putting, that when I was campaigning for the rights of the blind, deaf, and disabled, they loved me. But as soon as I began investigating the most common causes of such conditions, poverty, and poor access to medical care, they turned on me. The opinions of the press are of little consequence to me. My lectures still end up fully booked. I may be unable to see or hear the audiences, but that doesn't stop me sensing their throbbing energy. A revolution is coming. I may not be the leader, but I know that my contribution will make a difference. I hope never to have to tell that worn childhood story of Anne Sullivan teaching me to communicate ever again. I have been reborn into a new identity, one that suits me, suits my true personality. I still love Anne. She continues to be a great friend and assistant, but she isn't the miracle worker which some claim she is. She helped to put me on a certain path, but only I could mold myself into the person I am. We are all what we make of ourselves, not what others say we are. I am a revolutionary. Rosa May Billinghurst, 18th of November, 1910, London. Ats, competing with ats, competing with helmets. When I look up, it's like being deep in a forest made of human trees. I can't see the sky. The decorated ats are the women, the bowler ats are the men, the glinting helmets are the policemen. Three groups at war, or rather, two groups. Both the men and the police seem to be vying for a chance to respectably hit a woman. In these situations, when the police surround us and grab at us, I am invaluable. Being in a chair is highly useful when we need someone to ram through police lines. The hard metal of this clumsy thing is no match against policemen's shins. Then I hurry through the gap and the others follow. We often simply restart the march on the other side. I don't feel bad about trapping him in a game. They play plenty of games with us. Always egged on by the throngs of men who gather to display their disgust in us. To the men, we aren't women, not even human. Let them think it. All their thoughts can even try to prove is that we don't fit into their suffocating box of woman. I have been boxed and labelled and shipped away my entire life. Now it's time for me to decide who I'm going to be. Mabel Normand and Helen Keller, Laurel Lefko. Rosa May Billinghurst, Janine Robbins. Written by Louise Page. Produced by Clear Voice Enterprises on behalf of Disability Arts Online. Funded by Disability Arts Online as part of their COVID Commissions series. Further information about Disability Arts Online and the work they do can be found at www.disabilityarts.online.